Hi, I'm Mike Allen, Head of Research at Zeus, and today I'm talking about what we see as the key themes in the UK automotive market for 2023 with commercial director Autotrader Ian Plummer. And as many as you know, Autotrader is a 5 billion market cap company and by far the UK's leading automotive marketplace. The group continues to deepen ties with motor retailers, providing valuable services, data and analytics to help sell more vehicles. Having recovered margins from COVID-19 and a well-considered strategy set out, we've written a number of notes on our open research platform, which is available on the Zeus Research Portal. Ian has been a very valuable industry contact for me for some time and a leading commentator on the UK market, aided by the vast auto-trader data he has at his disposal. Ian, good afternoon. Hi there, Mike. Perhaps before we get into the nitty gritty of where we see the market in 2023, it could be useful for you to give us a quick two minute overview on the unique career path you've had in the automotive industry. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's relatively unique and not the only one to have done a similar journey, but I, I think it's quite unusual in as much as I've worked in most of the key parts of the automotive ecosystem from at the one end of the extreme, um, the head office structures of Renault Nissan in, based in Paris doing after sales, uh, marketing, e-business, various jobs of that nature, trotting around the world, supporting the NSCs. I've worked also in the NSCs of both Renault Nissan and, uh, and Volkswagen Group over here in the UK. And then further down the sort of the chain, if you like, I've also worked in the retailer world, running a single site, running a hub and spoke kind of structure, and then running a, a, a reasonably large top 10 as was back then retailer group. So that gives me a, a pretty good understanding of the the world of uh, my customers and partners at Order Trader. obviously the retailers, brands, finance houses, and so on that I work with now. And I like to think that I'm able to use that understanding of their world that I used to inhabit to yeah. bring it into Autotrader and equally to take Autotrader out to them to um, hopefully mutually uh, positive outcomes and benefits for all parties. Absolutely, I've certainly seen that in action. And I guess without further ado, we should get into the key themes. And I guess the first one, I guess, is probably the used car market. And, you know, so, some investors are fearful for a crash or, or a soft landing. Looking at the data that Autotrader put out last week, it, it feels like the market's still fairly firm. But what what do you see as the key demand and supply dynamics we should look out for in your data? Well, I think it's it's much more of a soft landing than it is a, a, a crash scenario, that's for certain. And um, to your point about which the dynamics that are really driving things, it's been for the last couple of years a supply-driven market, and it remains very much that today. Um, and unless there are some significant external factors coming at us at some point in the future, which we can't yet predict, and heaven knows we've seen a few of those in the last few years, then there's no significant risk, we don't believe, of a crash on the horizon. And probably a, a level of stability, we think, uh, and continued um, performance along similar lines to what we've seen in the, in the past year or so. We're seeing, as you touched on, some strong levels of, uh, of demand on our platform just now. We're seeing an upturn as of actually November last, uh, last year. We saw the first uptick when you look at year-on-year -year growth of our audience numbers. You know, we, we do see a significant audience in the UK accounting for around three-quarters of the time spent on all automotive websites. So if you're spending a lot of time on Autotrader, auto it's a good uh, barometer for the fact that people are spending a good amount of time looking at cars. But post-November, we saw a first uptick, as I mentioned, December was further forward, just under 10%. So far in January, 
we're about 14% up on prior year. So there's there's a strong growth on a very obviously significant number. That's some um, a good source of, uh, of optimism and it suggests a level of robustness in the consumer outlook for cars. I think what's really quite different in our automotive world is that we're looking at a very different context than the one we look at more broadly from a, a macroeconomic um, point of view. So in automotive, for example, if you compare where we are today to previous recessions, it's a very different context. Maybe we'll come back to that in a moment, but just yeah. more specifically on used cars, you can imagine, as I said, we're, since we're in a supply driven market, we've got a, a dearth of cars. We didn't sell enough new cars for the last three years, around two and a half million fewer than we would ordinarily have done so, about 800,000 fewer each of the last three years. So that's led to a, sh a shortage of nearly new, well, let's say not to three year old cars. And that's gonna keep flowing through in the next couple of years in the park data that we'll see. And what we're seeing quite clearly is, although the market is slightly back, and you've seen maybe the latest uh, Q3 numbers for 2022 showed the market back yeah. about 7%, well, it was back a, a similar number in terms of stock. And where we're, we're seeing stock down in the 0 to five year old park, for example, it's down around 25%, sales are down a similar number. Where they're up in terms of uh, sales in the five year plus uh, market, up around 20%. It's also thanks to the fact that stock is up 20%. So where, there's, where there is stock um, and supply, there is demand and there are sales. So with all of that, we do expect around a 6.87 million uh, used car market for the year ahead. So definitely very much in the in this sort of uh, the softer cushioned side of your uh, your your question. And, and and in terms of the used car market, do you think there's much evidence of consumers trading down, which is beneficial to the used car market at the moment? We haven't seen that yet. No, um, there's there's no sign significantly, at least yet. When we look at the tranches of of uh, price buckets of different cars on our platform, that the consumer is looking downwards. The price buckets themselves, if you look at today's stock of of cars on Autotrader compared to a year ago or two years ago, have shifted quite significantly upwards. And yeah. the consumer has actually shifted slightly upwards too, not as much as the cars, but there's definitely no sign yet in the macro data that we would look at. I'm sure there are lots of anecdotal cases where there, there are, yeah. people aren't necessarily trading down, but there's no sign yet that that's happening at a larger level. And I think there are there are other drivers of the market that are more significant. So there are probably five key points I could um, um, highlight that are probably widely talked about, just like um, uh, sometimes we hear in the media, people might be trading down. But I think more importantly, when you look at the data, as we try to do with Autotrader, you can see yeah. that an awful lot of people still waiting for a driving tests, around a half a million. It's a huge num a number of people. The younger population do still want to buy a car, I should add. Yeah. Secondly, there's a obviously, as we know, a disruption that we're seeing and living all of us in public transport. And that's cited by half of people on, on Autotrader as being a crucial factor to owning a car, and it's growing by the day. Um, there are these lost sales of new and used cars, 5 million if you add them all together. So that leaves a, a sort of level of pent up demand for a, for a car buyer in the UK, new and used, who's used to buying on a cycle of, of particularly finance driven sales. They're waiting to be able to find access to a car to be able to replenish or well, replace the one they've got, replenish their, their, their forecourt, if you like, or their own driveway. And, and fourthly, I think we forget how much cars are a necessity. I mentioned public transport a minute ago. You need to drive to get places to do things, uh, and you can't do that or count on public transport as much as you perhaps used to. Um, and automotive is much more of a, a need uh, in all the data we see rather than a discretionary luxury. And around 70, 75% of people are said to use their car to drive to work. Employment levels are good. Outlook is still solid for employment. 
And we can see that um, three quarters of buyers tell us that they need a car to get around, and that's up 77% right now compared to 71% pre-pandemic. So a growing factor that's driving things in the right direction. And all of that, if I wrap it just with a couple of last stats that give you an idea of why we think the car buyers behave rather differently than some of the other you know, consumer demand metrics we see in the broader macroeconomic environment, we systematically every month ask consumers how they feel about their car buying um, approach themselves, their own context. And eight in 10 of us are telling us that they're as confident today in their own ability to afford their next car as they were last year. Some are more confident, a few are less confident at the other end of the spectrum. But that eight in 10 is very stable. It's been like that for the last three, four years, as long as we've been tracking this data. And a similar number um, of, of stability, I mean, three quarters, in fact, three and four people are telling us that they plan to buy in the next six months. That also is very stable and hasn't hardly moved over the last couple of years. So people have got the, the confidence to buy a car, the need to buy a car, and still plan on buying in a similar timeline as previously. So it, it's all adding up to be a relatively stable picture. And how does London differ within some of those factors as well? Is it a different market or not as different as people anticipate? The London market, you said? Yeah, right? yeah, yes. The, the London market has shifted away, for example, from diesel earlier than anybody else. That started way back in 2015, 16, post the Dieselgate uh, sort of scandal that uh, led to a lot of media noise around diesel, consumers turning off from diesel, and then more and more uh, ULES type policies that are pushing in that direction as well, not just against diesel, but against older petrol, of course. So there is a, a more modern uh, park of vehicles that have gone towards more recent Euro um, six engines, for example, in diesel terms or even into into BEVs. Um, but the, the London market is perhaps more likely to be impacted by other sort of uh, anti-car measures such as low traffic neighbourhoods uh, and, and, and such like, which are pushing people back into active travel away from cars. But from most data we can see, um, that's having a very limited impact in terms of the overall scale of the, the London park. And just focusing on the new car market, so we obviously saw SMMT data, 1.61 million registrations, um, SMMT expecting slightly north of 1.8, so some recovery in FY23. Um, you, you know, what, what do you think, do, do you concur that we'll see this level of recovery and what do you think the new norm looks like? I mean, clearly we've seen 2.6, 2.5 markets in, in the past. Is that is that coming back? Is natural demand feels like 2 million, 2.2 million? Um, so it feels like there's some recovery, but not really back to previous peaks. How, how do you see that market? Um, well, firstly, in terms of the shorter term, uh, I, I, I would concur with the, uh, the SMMT numbers. They are, of course, the aggregate of all of the, the members of that body and the different OEMs. And I think if they're confident in terms of being able to supply that level of, uh, of volume, then I would be um, hopeful that that will be the case. To be fair, they predicted that kind of number last year, but then we had exacerbated supply issues of the Ukraine parts related shortages um, of, of co further COVID related issues coming out of China, further logistics issues, which compounded the already known about semiconductor problems. And most of those issues are being worked through quite successfully now. So I think if they're confident of bringing 1.8, 1.9 million cars over here, from what we can see in terms of demand, as I said, since we're in a supply driven market, we'd be very confident that we'll actually deliver that number of 1.89 million cars. So that is around a 20% uptick on where we are this year, but it's still, of course, like you say, about 20% back on pre-pandemic. So it's good, but not brilliant. Um, I think it's, it's a positive step in the right direction. It does represent, I think, as we've seen the last 
few months of uh, increases when you do year-on-year -year comparison to the new car market, it does represent the delivery of some of the cars that were ordered some time ago. You could say that's a sort of a, a, a false dawn almost, but actually it's not a bad thing, is it? We're delivering cars uh, at good values yeah. that consumers are waiting for, that retailers are making good margins for, that brands are getting uh, good returns on, and if we're delivering them after a period of time, I'm sure a consumer would have liked to get them quicker, but they're getting the car. So that also is giving us a bit of a cushion to avoid perhaps the the impact of the uh, the consumer confidence issues, inflationary challenges, which are clearly out there for automotive, of course, as much as anybody else, um, but which might be um, softened by the the size of the order banks that we're seeing. Often we hear of uh, OEMs with six months order bank coverage for the year ahead. And if the the uh, the downturn isn't too deep or too long, we could maybe just whittle through that order bank. Uh, take some incremental orders, of course, on top of it, but get through that that worst uh, period of the recessionary uh, arena we're now in, of course, and come out of it reasonably well. But as I just mentioned earlier on, just let me touch on one other point, which I think is quite fundamentally different about automotive compared to other sectors. Mm -hmm. If you compare this this current recession to where we were, let's say, in the great financial crisis, heading into that recession, we had a whole different um, category of problems. We were in a very much more push-driven uh, model. You mentioned a 2.5, 2.6 million market. Um, the, the automotive market has often been overheated and has pushed. And as we led into the 2008 recession, we didn't know we were going to hit that financial crisis, of course, but we had new car prices that were pretty stable, the actual manufacturer recommended price. The discounting levels were increasingly strong because the you know, demand was softening. We had to generate interest. Marketing expenditure was quite high. Um, supply was also high. Order take was relatively low. That's why we're gen generating additional marketing spend and incentivization to try and drive people in to buy cars. That is not where we are today, clearly. We've yeah. got a supply-driven pattern where new car prices are up 20% or so and where they were a couple of years ago. There's hardly any discounts in the market, not been much marketing, there's not much supply, and plants are still churning out cars at a much lower rate than they would ordinarily have done, along with that six-month or so lead time, sorry, order bank I mentioned. So it's a whole different context that does give us a level of confidence that we don't have the pent up problems of that overheated market of the past and can weather the current challenges reasonably well. Now, just to finish answering your question about the midterm, we would probably expect to see a, a slightly higher than 2 million market in the years ahead. Um, hopefully a positive uh, scenario for us and our, our ability to actually see a, uh, a successful transition to electric vehicles, notably, because if we're going to get above 2 million cars, we need electric vehicles to become more affordable. Yeah. They're going to need to be accessible to a greater number of people. Um, and that does come down to a price equation more than anything else, because if those are the cars that are going to be the principal ones brought to market in the years to come, they need to be accessible to all uh, demographics of the UK. So I think ultimately we would like, like to see a, a return to a market uh, above 2 million, we think it's in the interest of the overall uh, supply chain of new and then into used cars um, to see that kind of level of market. We'd probably like to see, for the health of the, the retailers out there and the OEMs, less of an overheated market getting yeah, up to yeah. that sort of 2.5 million level, which probably was overdone. Yeah. And, and I guess uh, Tesla's an interesting example where we, we saw a lot of stock come into the market and certainly the, the final quarter of last year, and that had quite a noticeable impact on the on the residual values. Should we be fearful of certain brands kind of bringing a lot of stock back at, at, at a similar time? And might we see 
an impact on RV or was that an, an EV issue rather than an oversupply issue? How, how would you interpret that? Well, I, I think there are always going to be some cases where uh, a brand has to move some cars and doesn't have a natural level of demand for those cars and will have to push a little harder than uh, than they would like. That hasn't happened, obviously, very much in recent times. And we didn't see a lot of that happening either at the back end of last year. We, we always try to talk with hard data in Autotrader. We have 900,000 yeah. daily data points on used car pricing uh, metrics. So we really are able to see what's happening uh, with uh, hard factual data proof points. Um, and so, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Pricing is softening somewhat slightly. It's yeah. softened from extremely high levels, but yeah. we're still seeing um, pricing grow actually around three yeah. percent year on year for like for like cars. That was in December. The average yeah. price of a car actually beat the eighteen thousand pounds bracket, and that three percent is much lower than it has been. It's the rate of growth though that's three yes. percent. Yes, it lapsed thirty percent the year yeah. before. Yeah. So we're seeing 45% yeah. growth on pre-pandemic. So the rate is slowing. But also, if you look now at, we, we've clearly at a higher level than we ever were. Yeah. We're not seeing a drop-off. We're not seeing yeah. a, a change uh, that's leading to any sort of cliff edge, in our opinion. Because when we look at month-on-month -month data, each month in the last four or five, when you track it very carefully, we're getting back to more normal seasonal uh, patterns, where if, let's say, a month of December would typically drop 0.5 of a percentage point, then maybe last month, well, it dropped 0.4 of a percentage point. And the month before, it would have grown a bit in November, and it grew actually a bit more in November 2022 than normal seasonal patterns of prior years. So it's similar to prior times. And we shouldn't be surprised to see some d declines in months where, like December, we know that's going to happen in normal yeah. years. Yeah. It'll likely grow again a little bit in the early part of this year. We're not therefore seeing um, a, a shift in in a, in a in a sort of problematic way we're seeing a return to a more normal market yeah. level yeah. of behavior and seasonal patterns which is because we've been through so many weird and wonderful times recently perhaps hard yeah. to get used to but it yeah. isn't something of huge concern right now no absolutely definitely something just... to watch for to look at the data on but not something we would be overly dramatizing the effects of just yet and I think that's what's so great about the, the the auto trader approach is that you're just purely following the data rather than being sucked into media speculation or spin, yep. et cetera. It, it really is a scientific approach. Um, but Mike, but to your point about, about the brands pushing and so on, I think this is the kind of thing that may change that outlook for the new car market that we just touched on a minute ago as yeah. well. So there are, there are a few factors that I think could be crucial in terms of defining whether we get above 2 million or below it in the in the years ahead. I think there's obviously a lot of um, change going on at the moment in terms of the distribution models of many brands. They're, they're focusing as much as they can on a pull rather than push model we touched on and a shift towards an agency distribution model, value over volume, you hear an awful lot. That will hopefully work out very well, but they haven't actually cut production capacity and their utilization rates are at record lows right now in data I've seen recently. So that's a challenge for them. That once, at some stage, they will either have to cut that capacity or fill it. Um, second factor is you've got a lot of new entrants coming into the market, particularly, of course, from China, but also elsewhere. In the Norwegian market, where they're doing eight in 10 sales as electric these days, two in 10 of overall sales are coming from the new entrants from those markets. So if those players come into our market as well, and they are, then they will add stimulus to the market and, and competition levels, which could force the kind of change in behaviors we've touched on. And that last one I just touched on already, the third point would be the big unknown of uh, the price factor of electric vehicles and whether they will be attractive enough to interest enough of the sort of mid-market of the, the UK car buyers. 
And then focusing on the EV market, uh, I know Autotrader put out an interesting report on road to 2030 towards the back end of last year. And clearly we know that the cars are coming, um, which, is, which is one end of the equation. But in terms of that, um, how they perform from a used car price uh, point, you, you've, you've said already the prices need to be lower to stimulate more demand. That they are having an impact on new car registrations, but how do you see the what do you see as the key themes for EV during 2023? Well, I think first of all, the demand levels you mentioned are, are good. Um, they've been really strong throughout the whole of last year. They grew. They started particularly growing in the in the autumn of 2021 when the uh, majority of us were queuing at the pumps for filling up uh, petrol, diesel, whatever you're putting in your, into your car. And people thought, well, that's not great. I'll get an electric. So that spurt of, of interest drove electric uh, demand. We saw a similar thing when the price of fuel hit £2 a litre and so on. So demand hit often well ahead of uh, one in four of our new car intenders on Auto Trader looking at electric vehicles. So that was well ahead of the transaction rate. You know, we've just finished the year and the full year numbers, I think 16.5% of uh, all new car transactions were electric. Um, that's a growth on around 12% of the year before. So it's good, but our demand levels were ahead of the actual level of transaction. Part of that's probably supply driven, um, the cars are coming through. Um, but part of it is also the, the default, that affordability point and all our demographic data points to the fact that the majority of EV buyers and also intenders on our platform are older, uh, wealthier and probably living in their own home of a higher household value than the, the average car buyer. Now, you can't sustainably make a whole shift of the market to a new technology unless you can ensure that that technology is affordable by everybody. So the first factor is making cars simpler to afford and simplicity is really the key theme that we see across the whole journey towards electric vehicles. So we're, we're talking about a massive behavioural shift here. And if you haven't got a compelling reason to change, you can't expect people to um, all buy into the the, the, uh, the sustainability issues and so on to the same degree, but they need to have an affordability point, if not. So yeah. that's the, fun, the first start. It starts sort of the factor, I think, that's going to drive the market, hopefully, in the right direction. A key part of that will be how simple we can keep the price equation and for that, I think the growth of finance is really key, particularly leasing. You can bundle an electric vehicle, take away the risk of the RV from the, the user and allow the user to access the vehicle and probably the other you know, this after sales care and so on around the vehicle with a simple monthly package. With the brand looking to promote vehicles, probably getting behind the, the financing rate of that vehicle and the RV that they will stand on, I think leasing is a particular opportunity for the, for the market and hopefully for the transition to be successful. I think the the other factors that we, we're seeing though is that there is a, a need for simpler um, ownership life lifetime life cycles if you like you've probably seen in the press just this weekend there were various commentators talking about how tricky it is to manage the charging uh, solutions yeah. for an electric car so we need more charging stations the smt just recently talked about their updated uh, forecast for how many charging um, stations there need to be. They, su they suggest we need 300,000 to 720,000, a big swing of, of gaps there, but we're way off that right now with less than 40,000. Mm -hmm. So to get to the even bottom of that scale of 300,000, we need 100 new charges every single day between now and 2030, and we're running at 23 a day just now. So we need obviously electric to be simpler to afford, simpler to charge. We think at Auto Trader, we've also got a massively important role to play in terms of making them simpler to buy. In other words, simpler to compare. They're, they're more complicated in terms of the new jargon. We're not used to kilowatt hours, charging speeds and so on. 
We do always compare different models, typically around 10 in past times, up to about 13, 14 on Autotrader, different makes and models that people are looking at before they buy a car. That's growing as there are new models coming to market, particularly electric. So we, we take very seriously our own role in trying to uh, encourage that transition to electric and make that comparison journey hopefully simpler and more standardized going forward. I think those are some of the key drivers that right now that I, I would see around that simplicity agenda. The last thing I'd call out would be the great work that some of the members of the industry have done, BDRA in particular, who represent the interests of the, 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 the leasing industry and the rental companies and so on, who've supported the, uh, the, the, the challenge of maintaining the government's support for uh, company car benefits on electric because they are at the moment company car drivers um all those driving cars thanks to the salary sacrifice schemes and so on all those getting leasing deals even if it's pch instead of bch they are the drivers of the electric transition so far we need that to transition into the retail market more fully going forward yeah absolutely absolutely and in terms of i mean interest rates who knows where they'll end up um you know maybe three months ago we'd have been looking at a six percent base rate now it could be close to four percent which could be better news but clearly when you look at the equation for retailers in terms of you know their stocking cost interest rates um, from the consumer point of view about paying higher interest rates as well what what have you seen in terms of your data on how it might impact retailers and consumers alike and, and has it settled down now or is it still quite spurious well um there's a couple of really interesting points here firstly when you consider that the price of a, a used car has gone up considerably it you'd, you'd start off with thinking that that's clearly a challenge for the buyer of that car it is of course to a degree Typically, most people come with their part exchange, so their part exchange has grown in value to a similar degree to the one that they're looking to to, to purchase a new, whether whether new or used cars. Um, but also because the value of that vehicle might have grown, they're more likely to find finance an attractive option um, because the amount of money they're looking to uh, now transact on requires that kind of journey. So we've seen a growth in finance penetration in used cars, uh, in particular through the last year or so, as the prices of vehicles have grown. The the the, uh, the penetration of new finance remains very high, slightly lower than it was uh, pre-pandemic and pre-supply issues because brands haven't incentivized the sale of finance quite so much. But new car isn't far off nine in ten of all sales financed. Uh, used cars is up to nearly not far off five in ten, but growing quickly from four in ten. So big growth there. What we're seeing on our platform is around you know, a huge level of growth, but around two million interactions with used car finance calculators on our platform in just last, last month alone. So that's the equivalent of 45 um, car buyers juggling their finance options every single minute on the platform. Wow. And that's wow. up around 46% on pre-pandemic levels. So there's much more interaction with finance than we used to see despite the growth of those interest rates that you just mentioned or the, the increase of the price of the vehicles. But it does show the increasing importance of monthly payment search and, and a finance transparency in yeah. our automotive sector. And to just give you a couple of the highlights of how the numbers look on our platform, when you look at the APRs that we're seeing today on Autotrader, the, the average new car APR has grown quite substantially by 3.2 percentage points year on year, oh, up to see. just under 8%. Yeah. That's grown a lot. Used car APRs have grown only 1.4 percentage points, up oh. to 10.8%. So they, they, they always were much higher. They've been absorbed, yeah. those in, these increases, by retailers still very keen to maintain their sales rates 
and uh, generate uh, positive uh, pipelines of vehicles into their after-sales departments and so on. So that isn't dampening demand just now. We can't see any negative impacts just yet. And as I said, data for uh, all the way through to December and just now shows continuing growth of interest in those finance calculators. And from what we can see, uh, it is with a little bit of a delay, the sales rates on finance as well. Interesting. And, and last female question today in terms of the agency model, I, I know clearly some of the brands have, have only just started this year. Um, what, what's your take on the agency model and how it might, you know, lead, will it lead to more engagement on marketplaces such as Autotrader? How do you see it impacting the, the retailer and also the customer experience as well? Uh, there's a lot of a lot of questions in that one. There's a lot of um, a lot of people uh, being paid a lot of money to try and find some answers to those ones. But um, there, yeah. it's definitely a, a a huge shift. Um, brands are taking a lot of responsibility for tasks in the act of selling a car that were previously within the the realm of the retailer's role. Um, but I think there's a lot of positives for the consumer. Uh, greater level of transparency, uh, consistency um, in the new car pricing and so on, which is, uh, I think, a good thing. Most people from all the data we we have and all our research don't appreciate the sort of haggle moment when they're buying a car. and They don't appreciate the sort of lack of transparency when looking at pricing. And we've been on a, I think, great journey in terms of bringing transparency to the used car market. And I would love to be able to make sure that we play our role in doing the same in, in the new car arena uh, in the years to come. I think some brands in the in the months years to come will uh, will will look to take more control of their their new car product and will hopefully advertise that product in on platforms like ours because we know that having available visible cars is the thing that consumers really respond to. We've seen that as our new car platform grew over the last few years. But even if they don't do that, I think the brands will having taken the responsibility for marketing these vehicles and generating the sales with and for their their agents, their retailers, call them what you will, mm-hmm. they will see a greater need to advertise um, yeah. their, their, their product. And quite frankly, uh, the brands will be looking to maintain their, their and develop, I should say, their um, control of the transaction uh, aspect of the, the process. But to get to that point, we know that consumers want choice and they want the ability to compare. As I touched on earlier, they compare more and more products um, you know the the growth of additional brands in the market, uh, whole new brands that are entering the UK market, let alone a plethora of new makes and models that we've never heard of. You know the the Volkswagen range that we used to know of the Polo, the Golf, and so on is now ID three, four, etc. Consumers don't necessarily know these cars, so they need to compare. So we're pretty confident that uh, we have a great um, role to play, working in partnership with all of our OEM uh, brand uh, customers and so on to help generate transactions with them for them by getting as many of their products and uh and adverts in front of as many active car buyers as we possibly can now as we do all of that we'll hopefully be able to do that in the right way showing the right product the right type of finance to the right consumer and generate a a positive cycle both for those retailer sorry brand partners but also the retailer partners who although they're going to have a de-risked new car journey will still want to see a positive level of new car sales because their their onward cycle of profitability, their after sales business and their used car business, which as you know, Mike, is where they make the money. That yeah. depends on having a, a healthy cycle of new cars coming in, um, yeah. and they'll they'll therefore be keen to see that it works. But fundamentally, I think the retailers in the last couple of years have also been able to focus a lot more on used cars than in past times. And as you have definitely seen, I know in your own data analysis, they've done a very good job of that. 
they've used the kind of data we pride ourselves in trying to bring to the table in our partnership with them to yeah. focus much more on, a, on an ROI journey to actually generate speedy sales, pricing cars to market for all the yeah. transparency reasons I've just mentioned on new cars to generate uh, an effective cycle. But also I should add deals with that issue of finance you just mentioned of the, you know, we mentioned the cost of interest rates increasing for the consumer, but also for the retailer. Turning cars fast, focusing on ROI uh, is gonna be something that they will be, I think more than ever keen to uh, keep a very close eye on. And again, in that agency world, that will be a, a, an enhanced role that we would like to um, support them with. Ian, uh, that, that, that's great. Really appreciate your time. And as ever in this industry, 2023 is unlikely to be a dull year. There's meant to be lots of twists and turns and look forward to catching up with you at the next industry event. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority for designated investment business and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed.